You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of Welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast, and I'm bet I'm sure you all know exactly what this podcast is about because you know you've tuned in, you've seen the title. It is the Eternal Night. This is a Batman-centric podcast dedicated to all things Batman, Detective, and Dark Knight. And as I mentioned, this is the first episode titled "Welcome to the Cave." If you've heard my voice before, you know who I am. My name is Philip Barker. Thanks for following along. If you can follow the show, you want to follow along, just at Tek Podcast on Twitter. And also, we have an email. You can just email us at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Eternalnight, spelled with a K, pod at gmail.com. Now, as I mentioned, this is the first episode. Welcome to the cave. Uh, I am joined by not one, but two friendly, awesome, Batman-loving friends to bring in this new podcast and, you know, just kind of get a nice little bat cave round table going around of why we are. Maybe it's more of a Justice League table. No, maybe a bat table. I'm not quite sure yet. Maybe it's a Bruce Wayne table in Wayne Manor, because it is Welcome to the Cave, and the cave's under Wayne Manor, I don't know. But regardless of all that, you know, I've got two very special guests with me and two very dear Batman friends. First and foremost, I would like to introduce the host of his own show, the Nightwing to my Batman on the original show, Superhero Stress, if you guys have listened to that. Uh, Eric Carter. Eric, man, how you doing, dude? How's it been? How's it going? Man, I, I'm doing very well. Uh, I'm very appreciative that you... Uh, sent the invite uh, for me to join you on this first episode you know i'm always down to talk some batman so this should be a lot of fun thanks for thanks for bringing me on absolutely and i mean you know our first episode that we ever did together was based around batman it was batman day for superhero stress so it'd be it felt almost necessary to ask my number one guy to come back and help me start the show off just right well it's not very difficult to get me to talk about batman so it's not like I had to twist your arm or anything or just, you know, ruffle your shoulders and tell you you're my number one guy with a big old grin on my face, anything like that. That makes me nervous. You should be. 
<laughs> absolutely should be. And also, I'd be remiss if I did not announce my other guest. Of course, we've been trying to get this for a long time, and I've been talking to him about doing this specific podcast for a very long time. This specific show, The, the Eternal Night, has gone through many, many phases of inception. Uh, it started out as something maybe like the, the Bat Brothers or Bat Bros. That was the early name of it, and uh, I, I we actually tried to get something started, I think about two, two and a half years ago. Joining us, joining myself and Eric Carter is my good longtime pal from our old retail days, Mr. Craig Blalock. Craig, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. It's going to be nice talking Batman, especially with you, because I know you're a huge Batman fan. Yes, indeed. Also, you know, I've always been wanting to get into kind of the idea of podcasting so it's kind of a you know break the skin as you can say yeah it's a slippery slope craig it's a slippery slope (laughs) it's like the slipperiest of slopes to some extent especially if you're producing a podcast if you get in the editing bay and you know how to put things and tracks together it's it's something (laughs) it's a lot of fun though it is largely the reason why I decided to do the show, because podcasting is so much fun. And I was like, you know what? I've been wanting to do a Batman podcast, and I felt like it was time that I make good on that promise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know the feeling. That's that's exactly where I was at when I when I launched my own show. So, you know, it's 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 almost like these shows just breed more other shows because there's so much you want to talk about. And it's, you know, especially in the right now i mean this is going to date the episode a little bit but we're still in the pandemic era and sometimes this is this is your only outlet to talk about these kind of things so yeah i I completely get it and craig i hope since you know this is your first episode i hope it's one of many of the first and kind many of kinds of podcasts you know i it's to eric's point it is very fun it is very cathartic I know Eric and I have listened to a giant number of Batman podcasts over the years. Are you, you've listened to a couple different podcasts over the years, have you not? Yeah, um, mostly gaming centric, but I've delved into some comic ones here and there. Uh, really anything, pop culture influence. If it has hosts, I'll, I'll tap into it. Yeah. Podcasting is certainly a nice, again, a nice cathartic way of coming together, especially in such a, you know, as we're getting out of this pandemic and coming, it it really is just a nice way of people coming together and sharing experiences. And I think, you know, to to, to kick this podcast off, the the first episode and the first thing we want to talk about, Batman and why he is such a personal character to all of us, what makes him so universal and timeless. Now, I know this character has touched myself and my co host here in a couple different emotional ways. I was very careful with my words there because that could have been very misconstrued if not said more carefully. But uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Batman is very influential. He's very iconic and he's got a lot of just really great history to him that's very influential. And I would love to hear my, my mates here's perspective on, on said pointy-eared night rat. Uh, Eric, why don't you kick us off? Oh yeah, well, um, I feel like I'm not going to tell the full story because I've told it many many times but yeah i mean as a kid you know my mom was really the driving force in introducing me to batman and it was it was at a time where i really needed uh something to look up to something to recognize with so uh, yeah from a very very early age batman has been an incredibly personal character to me and it just if it's 
if it's what makes him, I don't know if it, what makes him so personal and, and just seems like he's always evolving and keeping with the times. It's just, I think it's the human connection because there's a lot of superheroes that I really love. I mean, Superman being one of them, but I cannot connect with Superman the way I can with Batman because at the end of the day, Batman's just a person and he's a person that's trying to do the best he can to make the world around him better. And that's, that, that's very appealing, I think. And that's, that's why Batman is such a great hero. Well said. I, I co-signed everything you just said. He's part of the reason why you and I are friends and why we started podcasting and talking to each other. We're always talking about Batman and our private messages or Nightwing or anything bat adjacent or related or huge DC fans. So I, I, again, I, I co-signed everything you just said. Absolutely. He's also to, um, He's just a very inspirational character. Craig, you and I have also talked Batman here and there. What about you? Yeah, for me, um, you know, a lot of people got introduced to Batman through comic books or, you know, TV shows. And to my, I've been, ever since we started talking about this podcast, I've been thinking back to what was my absolute earliest memory of Batman. And honestly, I think it was the 1989 Tim Burton movie. I want to say I was probably like, five or six when I first saw it I don't think I had ever I hadn't been really reading comics or anything I hadn't seen anything cartoon wise of Batman the 89 Batman was my introduction and there was just something about it just the way that film was shot the acting everything about it just absolutely enthralled me as a little kid and from then on I was hooked and really Batman is probably one of my earliest superhero memories I, I've been racking my brain trying to think of, you know, did I, was I paying attention to any other superheroes at that time? And I mean, really, the only other thing I could think of was like, you know, I got a little bit into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles around that age. Distinctly remember sitting in my grandma's um, living room with a VHS copy of um, the 89 Batman and just being absolutely floored by it. And just from then on, I was, I was stuck. I mean, that line delivered by Keaton to the goon in the very beginning openings of the movie. Oh, what are you? I'm Batman. <laughs> it set an entire generation on fire. And, and that score, that, 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 that movie's score will never leave my memory. That, that theme song, everything about the music in that movie just sticks in my mind. Definitely agree. Uh, for me, Batman has always been there. I think it's no mystery. Uh, I've said this on my most recent episode of Superhero Stress. I know Eric and I have talked about this on past shows, either mine, and I know he's mentioned on his about how just personal of a character he is. And, you know, he's been there for me for as long as I can remember in like a toy form or action figure form. And um, it was probably either the animated series or maybe even Batman Forever. That was like the first. It was it's got to be a blend of the two was my first real interaction and remembering of the character character and why he's been there for me for so long and again you know to eric's point because he's human it's very easy to identify with that human element that is batman and why he does the things he does because there's trauma involved but it's also that trauma feels his need for justice and in a way it's him healing from that trauma albeit through some pretty unhealthy standards but still heal in your own way yeah, I mean, like they say, everybody deals with trauma in their own way. He just has a very specific way of dealing with it. 
Oh, very much so. Very much so. It's a line from The Dark Knight Returns. It's uh, this isn't a this isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, and and I'll say, I mean, you talked about Batman Forever, and of course, you know, that movie is very near near and dear to me. You know, no matter it's what you think its quality is, I mean, it's for the sentimental value. That's that's what got me into Batman, and. And also, I mean, it just, it, it gave me, because I think everybody has their first Batman, uh, whether it's Michael Keaton or or whoever. And for me, it's, uh, I've always had kind of, because of Batman, I've always had kind of a connection with Val Kilmer. And I've followed his career, and I just enjoy so, so many of his films as well. And I don't think I ever would have found Kilmer without Bat. I may have later, but it, it, I wouldn't have had that same connection without Batman. I mean, you know, Kilmer's got a... Um, He's got a documentary coming up on Amazon, and I'm super excited for it. And that's because of Batman and where I first found him. Interesting. Uh, you know what? I remember hearing about the Kilmer documentary. Um, I'm going to have to look more into that because that, that's intriguing. You know, he was my first Batman in live action. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of fond memories of seeing that in the theater and getting those toys and Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face and Chris O'Donnell as Robin. You know, it was really the that that whole crazy 90s aesthetic and that, you know, dark nature to Val Kilmer's portrayal. But it's also counterbalanced with this really flashy neo color scheme. And it's just it was just very I, I don't know how to really put it, but maybe it's like a very grasping take on Batman for young kids and i think that in the same way that 89 did did it for a whole generation i feel like forever kind of did did it on a similar scale maybe a bit smaller but still on a similar scale mm-hmm. well yeah i mean i i 100 think it's the 66 batman for a new age hmm. definitely craig yeah, no, I mean, for me, I remember Batman Forever as well, uh, seeing it in theaters. And I just remember thinking kind of actually what what Eric just said is it was the 90s equivalent to the 60s Batman series. You know, it had the kind of the more over the top music and the characters threw a little few more quips here and there. And obviously Jim Carrey as the Joker, very sent or Joker, Riddler as a very more eccentric Riddler than I think anyone had ever anticipated. But I think that's what worked for the movie. And, I mean, I'll give it to Schumacher. He tried it again in Batman and Robin. Didn't quite work out as well that time, but, you know. Yeah, you know, it is what it is with these Batman projects. And, you know, they come and they go, and each director has their own vision or story that they want to tell. I mean... It's no secret that Tim Burton got his way with uh, Batman Returns, and then that, after the reception of that movie, led to the creation of Batman Forever. Batman and Robin happens. You know, they kind of shelve Batman for a couple years, and then we get Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. And not too long after that, you know, we get Batman integrated into a, uh, a live-action DC Extended Universe in the form of a Man of Steel sequel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And then, um, of course, now we've got Ben Affleck's full portrayal of the character in Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is just impeccable. And now we've also even got a new Batman in the form of Robert Pattinson. But before we get started on our some upcoming Batman projects, we're going to take a little break. 
So uh, stay strapped in, get some Batman goodness, be right back. Take that. And that. And that. Yawn. Who would have thought my 25th birthday month would be so blah? Maybe I'm having a quarter-life crisis. <coughs> ah! What the hell are you doing? Celebrating! Think of all you've accomplished in 38 years! I'm 25, and you know how I feel about champagne corks. That could have hit me in the eye! Sorry about that. So, what should we do now, boss? Maybe we build a giant maze, yeah? Dose the people in it with fear toxin. <laughs> ah, you are so one-note, baghead. <laughs> After Harley and I got disruptive, you know how we'd celebrate? Oh. Fondue? Fondue? No! By getting more disruptive, like kidnapping Gordon and eating sushi off his lumpy, naked body. <sighs> I was picking hair out of my teeth for weeks. And now I'm doing this, which should be tons of fun, but I'm bored. What is wrong with me? You're a sociopathic narcissist. It was rhetorical, asshole! And who do you think you are, a psychiatrist? Let's find out. What? Bloody hell! But it, it's billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne! No! No! Are you shitting me? What is wrong with you? Don't you think I would have done that had I wanted to? Half the fun of our relationship was the mystery! Now I know Batman is just some boring rich asshole with parental issues. That's really reductive. Thanks for ruining the funniest <laughs> thing I had going! Now I don't even feel like torturing you. S sorry, I, I, I thought it might be the kind of thing Harley would do. I don't care about Harley! Oh, oh, I'm sorry, look, I, I must have misread the situation when you kept saying her name and reminiscing about all your memories together. Over and over and over and... <laughs> uh, not even that was fun. Wayne Tech promised an electric car by this year. I put a deposit down. Where's my goddamn electric car, Bruce? All right, and we're back. And so, like I said before, we uh, took our little bit of a break. Um, as I said, we're, we got there's a lot of Batman projects coming up, and I'm curious to get my guest thoughts on their upcoming Batman projects. Craig, why don't you kick us off? What are your what is your most anticipated Batman project or projects that you're looking forward to in the next year or two? And mine is kind of the obvious one. Um, it's uh, the the Batman, uh, the new film coming up with Robert Pattinson in the role. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I've been on board with this project ever since I started hearing about it a few years ago. You know, part of me is still kind of hurt because I was hoping that we would get the uh, the Ben Affleck directed Batman movie. Um, because you know, we'll go into the details later on that one, but you know, Ben Affleck for me is my personal favorite live-action Batman, and so I was really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do with the project. I get why things went the way they went, um, but I think especially after that first trailer came out last year, I think that got everybody's attention. And I'm hoping that Pattinson does a really good job because similar to his co-star uh, co from Twilight, Kristen Stewart, I feel like he gets a bad rap. I feel like a lot of people, when they hear his name, they just instantly think, oh, that's that guy from those crappy Twilight movies. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened with Kristen Stewart for years. And he is a very good actor. And I, I just think that this will finally be hopefully a role 
that will finally get him out of that shadow of Twilight. And I know Kristen Stewart was able to do it with a few of her roles. And I mean, I'll be the first to say it. I, I was the same way with Kristen Stewart years ago. I just always saw her as a kind of a bland actress. But as her career has gone on, she's gotten more and more range in the roles that she takes on. And I think she's done a great job. So I'm really hoping the same for him. And I I'm really hoping this Batman movie really steps it up. Do you have a favorite element of the Batman movie that you're looking forward to the most? Like the Riddler, Catwoman, Batman suit, Alfred, the Batmobile, Stat Curiosity. Honestly, the main thing I'm intrigued by is Colin Farrell as supposedly Cobblepot as the Penguin. Hmm. When I saw that trailer and I saw that makeup design and I'm like, that's Colin Farrell? what the hell so i am that is probably the thing that i'm most curious about is what is he going to bring to that role yeah colin farrell's a pretty solid actor i mean he i think he was even in the running for batman so many years ago for another project that didn't happen so it, that that makeup is also phenomenal it's almost unrecognizable uh, eric and i actually we've done on superhero stress if anyone's ever listened to that i'm sure you have you know we did a lot of I wouldn't call it coverage, but we had a lot of discussions about set photos and things about that movie and even talking about the trailer when it released. Like we, we watched Fandom live and it was just it was an experience like that was that was certainly something. And this does feel like a Batman movie that feels for the first time outside of the ones that have come before. It does feel like a very detective driven situation because you've got Jim Gordon from as played by Jeffrey Wright you know looking at this murder of the mayor from the riddler and batman's obviously there looking at this crime scene with them too and he's staking out their you know their press conference regarding the mayor he bruce wayne is present at this funeral which then you see the next riddler gift get delivered and like i don't know this movie just ticks a lot of boxes for me as far as batman's concerned on live action and i i, I know eric's itching to talk about it so I'll, I'll, I'll shut up and let him let him take the floor <laughs> Oh wow! Uh, and most anticipated Batman projects? Can I can I, can I just say all of them? Cause yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm uh, to mirror what Craig said. I'm I'm really looking forward to the Batman, uh, of course. But there's just uh, there's so many things coming down the pipe for Batman. Is um, even so far as in just a couple of weeks we've got. Batman the Long Halloween Part 2 coming out and I'm I'm thrilled to be getting that. I love the the first part. And then it, we just found out the other day that we're getting a continuation of Batman the Long Halloween in comic form. So from the original scribe and artist too. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, so I'm I'm so stoked over that too because I love this story so much. And then of course, you've got the Batman 89 comic coming out later this year and that we have confirmation that there's a new Batman animated series coming. So Cape Crusader. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a Batman fan, there is so much coming and and I'm I'm excited for all of it. I'm I'm in for all of it. I th I feel like you and I are probably some of the few that are championing that Batmobile cuz that Batmobile and the Batman is just too badass not to like. Yeah, I know there's haters of it and that's fine. Right. I freaking love that car. That car's <laughs> badass. About it. So, yeah, which I'm a muscle car guy and, I, you know, 
I think a lot of people would be thrilled with this car if they just slapped a bat logo on the doors or something like that. So, oh, probably. But, but I digress. I like the car. I'm excited to see it in live action. It is. It is much more of a vehicle that I think of when I think of the Batmobile. Um, for me, it's a welcomed far cry from Nolan Batmobile, which to me was just a big tank. Mm-hmm. That Batmobile was fine for what it was, but it just that when I think of a Batmobile, I do not think of the Nolan version. It's certainly taken an evolution over the years. Uh, I know Eric and I have talked about doing a bit of a ranking for the Batmobiles somewhere soon, maybe. But you know, they're, they, they, that that car has been through quite a quite a history and of itself it's it's gone through many different forms and many different models and many different makes and i feel like the one for um matt reeves's film that he's designed is very neil adams influenced and i i can definitely appreciate that um much like eric i'm, I'm a kind of a muscle car person myself my my uncle my grandfather my, my grandfather owned a wrecking yard so he's had plenty of cars come and go but you know uh just being kind of also a small mechanic to just working on cars here and there like it, i like the feel that this batman has put it feels like this batman put this car together himself and i think that's badass well yeah i mean everything about this batman looks like he cobbled it together himself so I, why should the car be any different build a batman yeah exactly that was such a fun episode i'm sorry shameless blog <laughs> i'm not mad at it uh, neither am I, because I, I still feel like if, you know, I was actually thinking about this and how kind of every, how every live action Batman has taken kind of a, a mantle in and of itself. You know, you've got Michael Keaton as like a the, the, the dark Batman and you've got uh, Christian Bale as the origin Batman with Batman Begins. And then you've got um, Ben Affleck, the seasoned Batman. Right. But then you've also got like Robert Pattinson. Now he's rookie Batman. That's the way. That's the best way I can probably articulate each one of them in live action. Because you know, uh, not to take away from Val Kilmer or George Clooney, but the, you know, they really only got one shot each. Not really too much to chew on. So uh, it's really tough for me to just kind of put them in a, a specific kind of Batman role that's not too far from campy or anything associated with it. Well, and and they were both sort of living in someone else's world as well. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, Cape Crusader, that one has me really intrigued because it, if Bruce Timm's involved and based on that that one piece of art that they have, I hope it's, like, you know, a spiritual successor to Batman the Animated Series. And it, I, I really hope it seems to be the case. I hope so. Because, like, that looks phenomenal. I'm really excited to see what they make out of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean... It looks like it's going to be very much that detective noir feel. So, yeah, that's 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 exciting. Well, I feel like, you know, there is just this... And, I, you know, I love it. There's no bones about it. Craig loves it. Eric loves Zack Snyder's Batman. I love Zack Snyder's Batman. Ben Affleck Batman. We, like, we love that take on Batman. But there's really no question about the fact that the people like that version of Batman. They like Batman taken to, you know, 
the end of the road and they like him more seasoned and they like him more tactical but then there's also the you know the other side of fans that like a, a more detective batman a bit more of a batman trying to figure things out a batman who has to you know really think on his feet maybe he might be a little bit more you know secluded and closed off and in his own world and by himself maybe he doesn't have a robin or a justice league and that's fine too you know batman really is that kind of malleable kind of character to where he can fit so many different archetypes for different stories depending on who's trying to tell the story and i think that's a brilliant testament to how the character's been done over the years mm -hmm. yeah i i agree completely um so i I, th I think i say this a lot but especially with batman we we're we're very spoiled with the amount of content we're getting so i the content we already have because let's face it batman has gotten probably more content than any other superhero but I, I'm not going to argue with it. And like Batman and Batman any adjacent. So that's like, you know, Nightwing. That's also any like Joker, Harley Quinn comic or TV animated series, what have you. Like anything adjacent to that is, you know, unconsequentially tied to Batman in some fashion or another. And, you know, I, you know, we were kind of talking about this prior recording and I, i'm kind of with you on it too and I'm, I'm hoping the batgirl is that step in that right direction of getting a more uh more female-led dc characters out there for the screen because we i feel like batgirl is just something that should have happened and should happen like now and it should have happened a while ago yeah i'm glad you brought that up we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that um because that's that's going to be an hbo exclusive correct mm -hmm. hbo max yeah so that's Anytime you can have more female representation, it's it's awesome. But especially with a character that's in the Bat family like Batgirl. So, I mean, it's no surprise if you've listened to me on any other show, but I'm not a huge fan of, the, of most of the CW stuff, and that includes Batwoman. So, yeah, if I can get some Barbara Gordon goodness, uh, I'm definitely excited for that project. What about you, Craig? Do you have any thoughts on Batgirl and HBO Max? I'm kind of the same with Eric. I have given the CW shows a shot, and I I liked them at first, but the more and more they went on, the more I just kind of lost interest. I felt like a lot of the shows just kind of started falling into the same tropes, and just the more the time went on with it, I just found myself not really being interested in it. So for them to do a Batgirl series on HBO Max definitely intrigued i'm hoping that it goes in the right direction that we need so that that way maybe they can start stepping away from kind of the cw verse ideas and maybe start branching off into new territory with it it's gonna be a movie not a series but yeah i'm, I'm right there with you it's a film okay i didn't know that yeah yeah it's gonna be a film and i think christina hodson who's penned birds of prey and the flash i think they're using her script i could be wrong about that but i think that's still the plan I think. Who knows what's WB these days. From what we've heard so far, I think that's right. Yeah. I'll be curious to see that. And I feel like if they're going to try and, God forbid, WB would, they would. I'm sure they would. If they were going to try and maybe do like a, another, like maybe not a, quite an Earth 3 per se, but like a another world to kickstart like a rebooted universe or something with other characters. I could see Batgirl being the proprietor for that, for that universe in, in certain ways. I could see that maybe happening especially with that project and blue beetle being on hbo max exclusively mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I could I could see them doing a little side universe there. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got so many others going on. Why not? Well, you know, I look at something like Young Justice, and I'm just like, do something like that. Like, have a universe that focuses primarily on like the the, the supporting family members of these big iconic god characters who are a little bit more human in regards, and then have them be you know supporting characters to to some extent, like Cameo Plus, maybe I don't know. Yeah, that would work. I would me. love to see them go in the direction like with Batgirl. Nightwing, I think, deserves some kind of live action treatment beyond, you know, what they've had so far. I would love to see Nightwing put into something, whether that be a film or a series. That is a character that I think has grown more popular over the years that I bet a lot of people would be on board if they were to start tackling Nightwing as well. Well, Titans is doing a if there's a, if it's doing something right, it's definitely playing with that world of DC of Gotham and Dick Grayson. It's playing with that world well. I feel like they've developed that character as Nightwing well enough. It's not quite because I'm I'm very partial to the Chuck Dixon stuff and even um, Batman the Animated Series with Lauren Lester going from Robin to Nightwing and that the way that transition happens. Uh, that's kind of you know my 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 personal headcanon of how things transpire, but I'm again I'm a huge Chuck Dixon fan for, of the character because when I saw Nightwing in the animated series, and even when Chris O'Donnell put on the 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 red Nightwing suit and Batman and Robin, even though it's technically the Robin suit, whatever, like just seeing that visual of that 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 bird logo and just being favored by that character, like being a fan of that character and wanting to know more about that character, like I'm very very partial to the Chuck Dixon run of that character and titans does a it's not quite chuck dixon's run but i don't think it, it ever intended to be but it does pull from some elements of that of that run that i do see and it is nice to see brenton thwaites take that role with such seriousness and i gotta i gotta admit when the whole f batman thing happened uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie that was pretty funny oh well yeah i mean you're looking for a hook to start your show that's that's a hook yeah um but yeah, I I've loved Titans so far, and and we've got our own. We've I don't know if you can really call him Batman, but we have our own Bruce Wayne on that show. So, uh, yeah. Um, and also, I mean, so far as Nightwing goes, I mean, Chris McKay is still beating the drum for that movie. So, hopefully, we can get a Nightwing movie at some point. And you also mentioned uh, the Long Halloween Part Two. Um, that's coming out just in eleven days, I think. No, no, sixteen days. Because I think it's the twenty seventh that comes out digitally. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That should be quite fun. I think Injustice is also supposed to come out later this year. I think that's the next one. Yeah, I believe so, which kind of came out of nowhere about, what, like a month, two months ago that they were doing that. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be, uh, especially because, you know, the, the uh, Warner Brothers Animation crew has handled so far the uh, uh mortal Kombat film very well so yeah if they can if they can uh bring that same energy to injustice uh, and that batman in, in injustice is is pretty badass as well so now do you get this a similar voice cast to the video game like do you get kevin conroy and george newborn and i mean if it if it was up to me personally yeah i'd go with conroy just because 
or yeah. that you know that kind of, that voice cast because they're already linked to that world. So, but uh, I mean, if you have the opportunity to get Kevin Conroy, I think it's a failure if you don't use him. <laughs> so. Fair, fair. I feel like if they're going to do an injustice movie it would definitely benefit from looking like uh, i think i might have even talked to you about this eric and maybe you too craig i think if they were gonna if they're gonna do an injustice movie i i really hope they're gonna do it in like a salto narkham style animation like that big hulking almost jojo's bizarre adventure-esque type of animation like i really hope they do it that way that's just that's just me though yeah you know i really don't have I really don't have a preference so far as the animation style as long as I don't think the current animation style that they're using for this new universe would work. I don't either. I think I think they need to set it apart from that. So other other than, you know, yeah. just don't use that one. I'm I'm I don't really have a dog in that fight as long as it's done well. That's that's mostly what I care about. And it needs to be brutal as well. If they're going to be doing Injustice, I'm hoping that they kind of keep the reality that that series had. I mean, yeah, the video games were T for team. I mean, there were some moments in, in that storyline that if they're going to put this in a, a film, definitely needs to be there and it needs to be fully seen, not just like cutaway deaths like they did in the video game. Yeah, um... There was one cutaway death that I that I was just kind of disappointed with, and I think it was Shazam's in the first one. Spoilers for anyone yeah. who hasn't played the game. Yeah, um, I I kind of hope that they take elements of both the game and the book that Tom Taylor did. I I feel like that that's going to give you the best kind of roadmap if you really wanted to like try and give it like a little trilogy. Because I know you know WB Animation they always try and you know they play the long game. They're, at least they're very good at playing the long game in terms of animation, like um. They, they did, you know, from start from Justice League War all the way to Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. There's like 14, 15, 16 movies in that whole little pocket universe that you could chow down on that has a whole DC universe in and of itself. Then you've also got like other little offshoots like Gotham by Gaslight and Killing Joke, even though that one's not all too favorable. But again, I, I do think that like, you know, to Eric's point, I don't think it would be a service of this movie to have it in the same kind of animation style that they're doing now with the current movies, you know, Clown Halloween's part one and two and like uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow and Justice Society. Uh, I really, I really think that, that if they're going to do something, if they're going to do it, I really feel like if they're doing injustice alongside this stuff that they're doing now, they almost have to do it differently. Like they, that's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to make it, look and feel different or else people are going to be thinking the same Batman from the long Halloween is, you know, in, in this right. world. Right. And especially well, yeah, Batman and tomorrow Superman. Yeah, go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, I mean, especially to, you know, like you said, Phil, there's so many movies tied into that animated universe that if they don't have a distinctive style for it, every, you know, the casual viewer who maybe hasn't seen every single one of those films is going to go, wait a minute, didn't most of these people die in that one where they fought Apocalypse? Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that movie turns out. I'm very curious about it myself. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I have always had faith 
in Warner Brothers animation. I mean, they've had a couple, you know, I wouldn't say total misses, but a lot of their, some of their stuff is, you know, a little questionable but most for the most part you know they're they've always been really spot on with a lot and really good with their quality and really they got a lot of talent all the time and it's always just it's never it's never a bad time i think save one come to recent memory but from more more often than not it's never a bad time for anything from wb animation um speaking of that uh to kind of just kind of dovetail into the you know this little bit here just to kind of talk about what this show is, you know, again, like I mentioned to Eric earlier, and like I've been talking to Craig about this for years, you know, I, this show has been a long gestated thing and I really do want it to be about everything Batman dedicated to, you know, anything related to the character. So it's probably going to include Batman films and television and action figures and actors, everything like you name it. We're probably going to talk about it on this show. The intent is to have Batman fans from far and wide keep the eternal night alive because you know he's stood the test of time for 80 years thanks to many different writers and creators filmmakers animators and the whole nine so the the intent is to keep the internal night going yeah in fact we're uh we're now closer to 85 than 80 <laughs> this is very true wow that is incredible yeah yeah it is so yeah you've got a uh you've got a lot to to use and build on for the show there phil I feel like there's a lot to build on no matter what if you're talking about Batman. That character is eternal in more ways than one, and you can talk about him any way you want, ten ways to Sunday. Oh, really yeah, not yeah, anyway, but your mention of action figures intrigues me. I'm interested to hear an action figure episode. <laughs> you know, in recent years I've become a little bit more curious into just people's action figure stories and the kind of the toys they grew up with because that was the imaginary realm for a lot of for a lot of us growing up and the kind of stories we came up with in our head. Because I always know like in my at least in my experience when I was younger, I always had like, you know, the Kenner Batmo the the Kenner uh Bruce Wayne manner, like from um Batman Returns, I believe it was. But then I would also have, like, the Batman Beyond Batmobile park next to, like, the, the Batman Forever Batmobile. And then I'd also have, like, the, the Batman Forever cave up off over here, too, as well. And it would just be, like, a little multiverse of Batman before uh, Scott Snyder decided to do, like, Dark Knight's Metal and Death Metal and shit like that. Well, I mean... Yeah, and you're you're in the prime age of nostalgia That's now true. because yeah. I mean nostalgia rules everything. It's it's a huge it's a huge money maker and a huge uh, huge business. In fact, just nostalgia. I mean, we're, we live in an age where they make a show called The Toys That Made Us. So it would be fascinating to hear a podcast about action figures. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with the show. I'm excited. It's going to be another journey. I mean, between this. Uh, superhero stress and the magic of movies it's going to be quite time consuming on top of other creative endeavors that i have on the in just in the pipeline i wouldn't say in the pipeline because that would mean they're active but you know just things that i've just been working on here and there but definitely these these three podcasts are the reason i like to be avidly creative and this character you know he means a lot to me and i would absolutely adore the chance to work on him one day sure but like you know I'm, I'm happy to just talk about him when i can if i can and i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of poo-poo and negative negativity out there for the sake of that and i just didn't want that to be the case for my shows and i know uh 
Batman is a very he's a very personal character for a lot of people, and, and people can get in very passionate, heated discussions, and that's fine. And um, I, I know I've been in plenty over the years, and it's taken a great deal of friends and a great deal of great discussion to come around and understand that I think there's a way to be civil and talk about a character that you love instead of being kind of shitty about having a difference of opinion. I mean, you know, to kind of touch on the CW a little bit, I know despite that I'm not really a big CW watcher either. And uh, even just out of respect for my friend Eric here, I don't really talk about a certain CW show to him just out of respect for him. Cause I'm not too huge on it. <laughs> yeah. Just in case anybody doesn't catch it. We're talking about Superman and Lois. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And uh, you know, I used to be a big fan of some of the CW stuff. I watched the first three seasons of Arrow. Uh, fell off about season four, came back for season five. I was a huge fan of The Flash. I love Black Lightning. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow didn't really land for me too much. And um, Batwoman was cool the first season. I haven't seen the second season. And Superman and Lois, um, I like the pilot. That's about all I'll say about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to uh, stay civil on that one. Oh, I absolutely have no desire to even like push your buttons about that show because I respect you far too much, trust me. But well, I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Anyway. I, I, you know, it's funny because the CW for a while, I it gave me the, the false hope of like, maybe I'll get a Batman show one day. No, no, <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> but I will say, you know, Batwoman has had a, a very popular reception, despite the fact that myself and Eric and Craig here are not, are not huge fans of it. And that in and of itself is, is a great thing. I will say that. Yeah, I haven't uh I haven't watched since uh last season, like three episodes into last season, I think. So yeah, I can't speak on it very much. But for those who enjoy it, because I've I've kind of taken that mindset because with what we were just taught the show we were just talking about that I do enjoy so much. <laughs> you know, for these things, if if somebody enjoys Batwoman, I'm I'm so happy it exists for those people because it should. I mean and, and you know, we can't all enjoy the same things. So right. it's good that it's there because that's that's a part of the Batman universe that some people really love, and I'm happy for it. I also think that Batwoman's just an important show just for... Wow, damn, words are hard. Batwoman is important for representation purposes, obviously, of course. And Kate Kane and even just the character of Batwoman just deserve a, just a, a spotlight to some extent that character is just too interesting not to bring to life in some capacity along with, you know, Kara, Supergirl. And I honestly think that, you know, without the Flash TV show and even the Supergirl TV show, you wouldn't see even the Flash in getting his own movie now or even in uh, or Supergirl having a part in it because those characters, for a long time, it was really questionable if, if those kind of characters could even carry a TV show, let alone their own movie. So. Mm-hmm. Because WB loves Batman too damn much, just like everyone else. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, he, he, uh, he he makes them lots and lots of money. So, does Wayne Enterprises funnel money into Warner Brothers? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, if they could replace the, uh, if they could get away with replacing the WB logo with the Wayne Industries logo, they would. I mean, you're just changing one letter. <laughs> Just change the B to an E. Come on. 
It ain't hard. It is not hard. Well, I guess we should round out this episode with, uh, you know, we got a couple different things uh, talking about regards to Batman. Um, just a little, we, may, we I devised a little list just to kind of give everyone an idea of where our uh, Batman sensibilities lie, more or less, give or take. Um, we're going to go over just our certain favorite incarnations of Batman in the following categories. And that will be film, television, animation, comics, and video games. Uh, Craig, how about you, man? Why don't you go first? Who's your favorite incarnation of Batman in live action? I think we've already talked about it, but I'm, I'd love to hear hear it again just because it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, like we talked about earlier, um, my personal favorite live action film version of Batman has to go to Ben Affleck as uh, Batman in both uh, Batman v Superman and not Justice League 2017. We're talking Snyder Cut uh, Justice League. Uh, just to me, those two films just really just, he knocked it out of the park, in my opinion, on both aspects. And I think that's why I liked his version so much, particularly because of the Snyder Cut. Because this was a Batman that I've always wanted to see. You know, everyone thinks about Batman, they think about the brooding, kind of anti-hero, you know, me against the world, I'm a loner type thing. And it was so refreshing to see Snyder's version of him afterwards, after Batman has been through this supernatural encounter with uh, Doomsday and Superman, to be kind of not so much humbled, but just he sees like, wow, there is so much more going on right now, and I need to do my part to make sure that you know our lives can continue on, that this planet can continue on. It was so refreshing to see his true vision acknowledged in the Snyder Cut of this version of Batman who originally was this, he was all about vengeance, he was all about just hurting anything that got in his way, and then in Justice League, realizing that he needed to be the one that pulls everybody together, he needed to be the one that tried to inspire hope in everyone, and that's what I've been wanting to see for so long. In Batman on the on the screen is I just want to see a Batman who is still kind of the brooding anti-hero but he knows that he needs to be a part of a team and that was just that was why the Ben Affleck version for me was just so well done well said I probably gonna co-sign here everything in a minute um Eric why don't you take it away before I gush about Ben Affleck's Batman uh, yeah, the the favorite incarnation of Batman the, in film, this one's kind of tough um, because, like Craig said, I mean, my favorite on-screen Batman is absolutely Ben Affleck. Um, but it's hard to... It's hard because I also have a favorite Batman movie and it doesn't have Ben Affleck in it. So that's... It's a it's a fine line there because he is mm -hmm. my favorite cinematic Batman, but Batman Begins is my favorite Batman film. It's my favorite incarnation of Batman as a as a single standalone movie, just because of what it did for my Batman fandom at the time. Because it had waned for quite a while, and then Batman Begins came out, and it was at the time it was, and still to me it was just such an amazing take on Batman, and it it brought Batman back to being a character that people took seriously and not, you know, 
not the bright neon and colorful world of, of George Clooney and Batman and Robin, which it may, I mean, if you love that, that's, I'm not taking anything away from it, but yeah, it's it, Batman begins just did so much for me to bring me back as a Batman fan. Um, so the, that's absolutely my favorite Batman film. And I think I, I, I want to say that's what you were going for here. Right. Phil favorite incarnation of Batman. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's yeah. not a, it's, there's no wrong answer. There's that too. <laughs> Oh, well, there's no wrong answer anytime you're talking about a favorite Batman anything. <laughs> right. And I think that's a very well argument to make. I mean, Ben Affleck had, you know, the unfortunate luxury of not getting his own standalone film like, you know, Christian yeah. Bale and Michael Keaton and just even, you know, to an extent like Val Kilmer and George Clooney. You know, he he got to be the Batman that was, you know, I, I, I say this in jest and fun and love, but he's the Super Friends Batman. He gets to be the Batman with all the other the all the all the other members of the DC Universe. And mm-hmm. I think when you play it like that, there has to be a bit of a lighter stance on it to some extent. But, in, but I feel, to Craig's point, to get to that point, you had to have Batman be from a very dark standpoint. And I think that's always just been a consistent thing for the character and why it's always worked so well. But I think for fit, like in terms of Batman in live action, I I understand where you're saying in Batman Begins being your favorite film. I kick myself in the ass every time I think about it because that is the one Batman film I did not see opening weekend at all, and because I, I had no idea it was coming out, I was just engrossed by other things at the time, and I didn't come, I didn't see it until you know a year or two before the Dark Knight. Like the Dark Knight is when I became invested in Nolan's take on the character. And it was just well, to be fair, a lot of people didn't know Batman Begins was coming out because it didn't get the marketing push that most Batman films do. Right. Yeah, I was actually gonna say to that, like Batman Begins, I remember when that came out. I remember more hearing about the video game of Batman Begins, and then I was like, Oh wait, this is based on a movie. there's there's a movie? What's going mm-hmm. what? So yeah, that's that's understandable. Craig and I share the same sentiment when there I found out about the movie because of the video game. I had no idea. And so that was my introduction to finding out there was a whole new Batman movie. I was working at a, um, a video game retailer at the time and we got in copies of the PlayStation two game. And I look at them like Batman begins. This a, this is a new video game. And then I look on the back and it's, you know, on the back, it says, you know, based on the, uh, hit WB film and I'm like there's a film to this it's pretty surprising <laughs> yeah and to, to Bale's credit he really knocked that role out of the park in the three movies he had it I mean you know there's a, I know there's a lot of criticism regarding the third film but even still like I've taken I've, I've had plenty of conversations regarding that trilogy and Batman as a whole but like looking at it now as a I guess more seasoned Batman fan you could say um, I appreciate that trilogy for what it is and even to Eric's point, like, you know, I could, I could definitely see why there's a, there's a definite, like, pull between having a Christian Bale Batman or even Ben Affleck Batman be a favorite in live action because they both were so faithful in certain aspects in certain different ways. But I think for me, yeah, it's probably still Ben Affleck just because of that, that old, um, like, growing up and seeing Ben Affleck with, like, or not Ben Affleck, but seeing Batman with, uh, the Justice League and seeing them with the Super Friends and seeing all that stuff growing up, like to see it realized in live action, it's just like I I I can't not. 
And again, that's not a slight to Michael Keaton. That's not a slight to Val Kilmer. That's not a slight to anyone who's played Batman before in, in a film. It's just, I've waited my life to see it. I've seen it. I'm happy. Hmm. I want to see, in like in Justice League, to see him be the catalyst for it is what was so refreshing for me. Mm-hmm. See him be the one that is going out and seeking these heroes. Whereas any other incarnation we've always seen, yeah, he joins the Justice League. He's kind of still on his own. He doesn't really want to be part of the team, even though he always give those kind of hints that he wants to be included in the Justice League. It was so refreshing to see Snyder's take in that he is the one actively going out and trying to get this team put together. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying uh, with, with Affleck. I mean, he is, so far as just Batman himself, he's he's the absolute best we've ever had. Um, it's it's for very personal reasons that I chose Batman Begins, but yeah, there's no doubt I love Ben Affleck as Batman. I look at that suit and I just it just I get emotional. Oh, I mean, it, that it springs it springs off of the comic page. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, ever since that reveal happened in the middle of May 2014, I've just I've been in love. Like that that suit, that take, that just that grizzled look. It's just perfect like it's batman yeah i was the same way when that first teaser trailer came out and he saw the suit but you didn't see him in the suit i'm like okay i'm intrigued and the next teaser trailer comes out and for the first time we see that scene where he steps out from the rubble and it's him in the full suit i just immediately was like oh yes i'm on board with this it's got it's it's also the I think one of the only few times you see Batman in black and gray because in Batman and Batman Returns he's in predominantly an all black costume same thing for Batman Forever and then we get the sonar suit towards the end which is a little more uh blue ish and then the Panther suit in Return in Batman and Robin and then the Dark Knight again just all practical black combat suit with Kevlar. So it was really, really cool to see like near a near almost perfect. Tr- it was like it was almost like looking at Batman the Animated Series season four, the new Batman Adventures Batman, but like brought to life. It was that costume, damn near. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty close. And it's also Frank Miller's Batman, more or less. No, without a doubt, it's Frank Miller's Batman. Yeah. I was going to say, to see the to see the Miller Batman logo on a suit was just fantastic to see. I think seeing that that logo, the short ears, the cape, and having Ben Affleck, like you know, six four, two ten, like that perfect muscular build, like he just he looked exactly like Batman stepped off the page. And I don't think I I, I would hope that there's another incarnation that's like it because that's going to be pretty hard to top. And I I think Robert Pattinson's going to do a very good job of being like, um, like a Neil Adams detective Batman. But like Ben Affleck's Batman is like Jim Lee, Frank Miller, Hulk and Mass Batman. Mm Hmm. Yeah, I would say that. the Robert Pattinson look is definitely more David Mazzucchelli, maybe. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good pull. Yeah, I mean not not so far as the way the costume looks, but just like he's you know he's not the the hulking brute that 
that uh, Ben Affleck is. So, but I, it, you know, you, but Batman doesn't always have to be the massive guy. So, I agree. Uh, I think Pattinson's got a blend of Gary Frank, Neil Adams, and to, to your point, Mazzuchelli. A little bit all three yeah. there, kind of rolled into one. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have uh, Batman in television. Uh, Eric, what about you? Who, who's your pick for Batman in television? Oh well, you know it's it's David Masseuse from uh, Gotham. That's not Batman. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm I, kidding. I, I, I jest. Of course, it's Batman. But uh, no, no, I I I, I jest at poor Mister Masseuse. Um, this one's this one's tough. It's like you automatically. You, for just television itself, you automatically want to go to Adam West because I think he's he's been the most pure television Batman. Um, mm-hmm. That was mostly his medium. But I would I would be kind of disingenuous if I was saying that because I was never I respect this show, but I was never a huge fan of the '66 Batman. Um, so for me. If we're not counting Batman the Animated Series, which I don't know if we are because we have an animation topic here too, I really don't know that I've had a favorite TV Batman yet. Um, I Yeah, this one's tough for me. Um, Ian Glenn is, a, is, is... He's impressed me as Bruce Wayne, but we really haven't seen him suit up as Batman. Batman right. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I have a hard time with this one, Phil, to be honest. It is a tough one, and I automatically went with Adam West because Adam West is the shit. Yeah, so. I think by default you kind of have to. And that's the thing. I'm I'm hoping that there is a point where we do get like a live-action Batman on television. And I, I feel like there was a... Who who did it in the, the end of season one of Batwoman? I think it was, it was Wing, Wing Christie, I think. Maybe Warren Christie. Warren Christie. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, we've even had Kevin Conroy in live action on screen. Exactly. Now, but but he, but he, he really, he's Bruce Wayne. So he was, he was half because he was in that that Bruce Wayne Kingdom Come half Batman armor. But you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It is a tough one, um, but I feel like if 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 animation animation could have absolutely I feel like if Batman the animated series was your answer in some capacity for television or animation I wouldn't have been mad because so that's absolutely acceptable. Um, I th- for me though I I absolutely went with Adam West because that that man just has very near and dear to my heart. He's just there's a very specific level of Batman there that, that you don't see too much anymore because it's just not of the time. And people just aren't impressed by that kind of, uh, that kind of take, even though I feel like, you know, every now and again, there is a bit of a Renaissance for it. given the couple animated movies and the comic book series now about it. I feel like that there is a, a, a time every now and again to appreciate that version of Batman. And, and I do love that the, the 66 show did happen because without it, you know, you don't get Yvonne Craig's Batwoman. You don't, we don't, wouldn't have, Burt Ward as Robin, uh, Chief O'Hara, like all, all these really interesting, funny things that just, you know, at least I remember growing up with them, even though I'm not a child of the 60s, but even seeing the show on reruns, like it, it's very implanted into my 
my Batman mythology. And I, I can't not not see it. So, mm. well, I mean, yeah, and you probably don't get something like Batman: The Brave and the Bold with right. it, right? Yeah. So, Craig, what's your answer for Batman on television? Well, see, I'm. I guess I'm just going the uh, the the cheaters route. Is I, I there's nothing in my head that sticks out more for television than Batman the animated series, um, because I actually do have a different answer in the animation category. As do um, I. But for, for me, the television. I mean, it's just Batman the animated series. There is no other show like that show, and I don't think there ever will be another show like that show there was just something about that and i'm so glad that i was a kid growing up watching this show just the way that they tackled everything in the world of batman and were able to put it in a half hour segment show and give so much character development to so many different characters to the point now where a lot of comics going forward from there and films and almost anything related to Batman took inspiration from that show. I mean, Mr. Freeze's origin story, you know, you could say it really matured and situated in the animated series. There is just so much about that show that is just absolutely amazing. And I just, I am so glad that I got a chance to grow up watching that every week. There's just, there's nothing like that show to me. Yeah, that's a great answer. I mean, like I, like I said, th- there is no wrong answer. And especially when it comes to television animation, those two answers are, they can be interchangeable because, you know, if it comes to television specifically, when it comes to Batman, you've got Batman 66, Batman the Animated Series, Brave and the Bold, and um, mm-hmm. the Batman, as well as Gotham. And I would even say even maybe Titans because there is Bruce Wayne there. But even even still, it's a little bit, you know, because because in Gotham and Titans case, it doesn't really get to explore the Batman side of things. It's ironic in Titans case because there's been a Bruce Wayne and then there's been a Batman, but there's not been the same actor to portray Batman yet on the show, which is ironic. I kind of hope for just because I really like Ian Glenn. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen, but I hope he gets a chance to suit up. I feel like because, it's I mean, going to be. You've seen, if you've seen him in Game of Thrones, Ian Glenn is capable of being a badass. So, and he's not privy to not wearing a costume. So, right. I don't understand what the issue is. I mean, I, people give him shit for the bald spot. I'm just like, he's Sir Jorah Mormon. He's he's a badass. Mm-hmm. Dude can throw down. I could definitely see a version where he's the more you know reserved bank broker of you know the justice league because he absolutely has that kind of relationship in titans with that with those other characters based on dialogue exchanged in that show but well he's he's bankrolling the titans exactly and it's like i i I could see a situation where even if it's for like an episode a couple minutes like I, i could see him in a suit and i'll go back to you know the cw point of like supergirl and superman like, they were so hesitant to pull the trigger on that, and they eventually did it. I don't see why that that same kind of case cannot be made for Batman eventually on, at some point. Especially, like, since Titans is a streaming platform, you don't have to worry about television rights. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'll tell you this, Phil. If 
we ever do get Ian Glenn on a bat suit, let's come back and revisit this because I may, <laughs> I may have a different answer if I see this guy in a bat suit. That's fair. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you too. But in, as it stands, I'm sticking with Adam West. But Kevin Conroy is an acceptable answer. I mean, to to Eric's point, he was Bruce Wayne in a Batman esque exoskeleton suit in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And to Craig's point, there's Batman the Animated Series again. Kevin Conroy in the title role. Great answers for Batman on television. All right, uh, moving on to animation. I think I'll kick us off this one because I know my answer might be a little more obscure, but I, I'm pretty sure you two are already going to know. Like, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. It should be a little not surprising, but my favorite Batman in animation, and I, I kind of went with, like, who did who did it best? Who's my favorite voice after Conroy? Because obviously Kevin Conroy is the goat of Batman voices. Mm-hmm. But I went with um, my favorite Batman in animation thus far it was a tough tie i I chose between i had a really tough tie between two really talented actors who've done a really great job of voicing batman but i give peter weller the edge over bruce greenwood i kind of felt i kind of felt like that's where you were going but Uh, i'm not i'm not upset at that at all because peter weller did a fantastic job with the uh the dark knight returns adaptation and yeah yeah i'm not mad at that yeah, you, you stole it right from under me because that was going to be my answer as well. <laughs> there, Gosh. there is no other voice that I've heard since Conroy that has nailed the persona of Batman more than what Peter Weller did in The Dark Knight Returns. And I remember when that announcement came out, that he was going to be the voice of Batman in those two movies. I'm sitting there going, really? The RoboCop is going to be Batman? I don't know if I can see that. And then sure enough, the movies came out and just completely blew me away. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it was a really tough tie between him and Bruce Greenwood because just two years prior, Bruce Greenwood delivers one of the most excellent performances in Batman Under the Red Hood with Jansen Ackles as Jason Todd. Oh, my God. It, it's It was tough. But for me, like I really love that, that Peter Weller, he came in and he doesn't do RoboCop, but he does like this really aged, wise Batman and it's it's so jarringly different from the, the the Dark Knight comic in that you know in the comic I get the get the sense that Batman's a little unhinged, but in the movie I get this completely different aura from the way and it's purely based on the way Peter Weller does the performance because he just brings this really soft spoken but confident attitude to Batman that you really don't get too often from a lot of really great actors, and I feel like that's something that has to come along with with when it comes to voicing Batman. Kevin Conroy has it, Bruce Greenwood has it, and Peter Weller absolutely has it. Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of like uh, the voice gives me the feeling of controlled chaos. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on underneath, but he's controlling it. And, and in fact, um, me and my wife are doing a rewatch of, of the series Dexter. Mm, okay. Uh, and Peter Weller is actually, he plays a, a PI in one of the seasons of Dexter. Ah. And every time he speaks on screen, I just hear Batman, and I'm expecting him to punch somebody in the face. So, <laughs> so yeah, that that voice really works for that incarnation of Batman. Yeah, and like you said, Phil, there's just this, there's this controlled anger to him throughout the entire two uh, animated movies of the Dark Knight Returns that he 
he can compose himself, and even when he's at his breaking point, he's still trying to rein it in. Um, my personal favorite, I get goosebumps every time I see the scene play out, is the scene where he's battling the Joker in the Tunnel of Love, and um, all he says is, no more. But just the way that Weller delivers that, it's just, it. you can tell Batman has had enough. He He's done with everything the Joker has done all these years, and he's ready to finish it. And every time I watch that scene and I hear him say that, it just, it hits me to my core every time. And that's a tough buildup, too, because Batman comes in on the Batwing with Robin, and Joker's handing out cotton candy with his goon, and... Like his goons, like oh boss, it's it's something's coming. It's and Joker already knows, like it's him. Like I'm, I know it's him, right? And then they get in, like it's their final battle. And then the reason it takes place in the Tunnel of Love is it's like kind of symbolic of their relationship in a really twisted way. And it, it really is like no holds bars. And they're it's their last fight. Like Batman even goes so far as to lob it a battering in Joker's eye. But you know, given their history up to that point, it's it's very seminal and personal and I I, I I agree Greg like it's very very personal for a lot of reasons I think for me the moment where Weller really does it is of course when he's beating the snot out of the mutant leader in the mud hole like that's that's great dialogue delivery from uh, Weller as Batman and then also towards the end where he's got Superman damn near dead to rights before his heart attack kicks in yeah. like all of that just prime prime Batman Oh, yeah, when, uh, when he tell, when he tells Superman, "I want you to remember the one man who beat you." That's uh, just, uh. oh yeah. What about you, Eric? Who's your? Do you have a favorite Batman in animation? Uh, yeah. For me, I mean, I I could pretend that that it's somebody else, but it's it's Kevin Conroy in Batman the animated series. I mean, it it's just it's the greatest anything in Batman animation ever. Period. And it, yeah. Yeah, and there's you could you could make a lot of cases for a lot of guys that are very deserving. I mean, Peter Weller, absolutely. You guys, as you guys have have gushed over, deservingly so. Um, Bruce Greenwood is a fantastic Batman. I wish I wish he would do the character more. Um, and actually, from what I've seen so far or heard, I really enjoy Jensen Ackles as Batman as well. That's but yeah, cool. it's. Yeah, it's it's Kevin Conroy. I mean, he's there's a reason why he's been voicing the character for almost thirty years. Uh, he's just it's 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 phenomenal. Um, the the whole series is just that the noir feel to it, um, the way that they didn't play down to it to a child audience, but they you know they gave it a very mature and very um, real world feel to it, where where you could identify with the stories and the characters. Yeah, it's just hands down, it's the best Batman animation ever, and I, and I don't know if it'll ever be topped. But I'm I'm open to somebody trying. But for me, it's it's absolutely Kevin Conroy and, and Batman the animated series. On that, I mean, like I was saying in my earlier thing about the animated series, I also have a special soft spot for Kevin Conroy's performance throughout that whole show because that series also gave me. For me personally, my absolute favorite Batman anything, uh, film, everything, uh, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. 
I was lucky enough when I was a kid, I got to go see that in theaters when it came out. And I have never forgotten seeing that movie. There is just so much to that film that I absolutely love. And I would love to someday see some kind of live action interpretation of it. But that thing just blew me away as a, as a little kid. Seeing this extremely mature storyline, Evan Conroy's performance as not just Batman, the movie more so is more about Bruce Wayne and everything that he went through. And at the time, too, you know, you got to think back to the, this was in the early 90s. We never really saw him turning into Batman. We never really saw on the screen him becoming Batman. You know, in the 89 Keaton movie, he was already Batman. In Batman Mask of the Phantasm, you get to see him kind of training himself, kind of trying things out, experimenting. And I'll never forget the scene in that movie when he puts his uh, costume on for the first time. And you just see the shadow of Bruce Wayne standing there looking at the cowl. And he puts it on, and Alfred's kind of looking at him from behind. And he turns around, and Alfred just looks at him and goes, My God. And then he walks off the screen. And I just remember getting goosebumps in the movie theater as a little kid seeing that. And that that movie will never escape my memory and just like you said kevin conroy will always stick out as the voice of batman but just to go alongside that just like how batman can never get away from the joker if you think kevin conroy is batman you always have to think of mark hamill as the joker and there will never be another joker as good as that yeah nope i agree completely that's another part of uh, i mean it, I'm glad you brought up Mark Hamill because you can't talk about Batman the Animated Series without talking about Mark Hamill. So this is very thanks true. for mentioning that. You know, that show, that movie actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Craig, because episode, the second episode of this show is actually going to be a commentary about Mask of the Phantasm. It's going to be a commentary through that whole movie. How fantastic. Yeah, that is the plan. That was the... That was the first commentary I wanted to do for uh, for this Batman podcast would be Mask of the Phantasm. So, you know, once this episode is already and published and you guys are done listening to it, anticipate the next one because it will be a Batman Mask of the Phantasm commentary. Because that, to Craig's point, that movie is amazing. Uh, I did not see it in theaters because I was only like nine months old when that movie came out in theaters. <laughs> I was a little infant child. Um, but it is one of my favorite Batman films. It is a seminal seminal batman film it is probably the most accurate origin adaptation of batman um so that's a good good answer i I... extremely underrated too i i I feel so often when i see lists of like oh best batman movies best batman storylines and so many times i'm looking on these lists and i'm going where's mask of the phantasm why is it not up here mask of the phantasm really set the bar for a lot of batman stories in a lot of ways and i do think it's uh, it's underrated because there are so many more batman stories now yeah it 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 falls into the category of uh not being recent i think very true all right moving on to the next category it will be comics uh craig how about you kick us off do you have a favorite version of batman in comics writer yeah i think Mine would have to be, honestly, as cliche as it is, um, Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. 
Uh, there's just something about that art style that just sticks with you and just does not let go. It's just something that back when it came out, I had been reading comics here and there, you know, growing up. And I had seen a few Batman comics, but I had never really gotten into them much. And then I happened to see The Dark Knight Returns, picked it up, read a few pages, took it home with me from the comic store. And that thing was just, it was unlike anything I had ever seen before. And it really, at the time, the way it kind of integrated this, I guess you would say like social commentary along with what was going on in the storyline, how it would break up the segments in the comic with these like news segments. It gave me a real um, RoboCop vibe, which is kind of interesting that I had that feeling back then. And then, you know, years later, you've got RoboCop doing the voice of Batman for that exact storyline. Right. Um, there was just something about it that was just so different. And, you know, to see this aging, older Batman trying to fight again and, you know, for a little while getting the crap kicked out of him. It's just, there is just nothing like that story. And I don't know if they ever will ever get a chance to do something like that again. I know that Miller ended up doing a sequel to it. Yeah, that is, that's what it was. I try not to think about that too much. There's two. But there was just... There was so much with that storyline that just completely blew me away the first time I read it. And it's one of those few, really, it's there's not many other comics or graphic novels that I can think of that really just stuck with me. I think really the only other one that I can think of that left such a impact on me just by like, wow, what did I just read? It's probably like Watchmen. And really, other than that, I can't think of any other storyline that I've read that just really engrossed me like the way The Dark Knight Returns did. Um, I'm not big on the first sequel, uh, Strikes Again. I am a fan of Master mm -hmm. Race, though. Master Race is actually really good, in my opinion. I haven't got around to Master Race. The only reason I own Strikes Again is because it's in my absolute with the, with the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> I should make a point to own Dark Knight Strikes again. I've read it, just I have, I don't own it. Yeah, it's it's a rush job. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, yeah, yeah. it would be hard to it would be hard to compete with with the classic that is The Dark Knight Returns. But Strikes Again, they paid him a lot of money to crank out a book really fast. That's very true. Yeah, and you know that book, you know The Dark Knight Returns. It's it it really did cement a lot of different ways for Batman. It really cemented Batman's like trajectory for a long time like that book had a huge impact on the character it took him out of a a bubble of sorts and really just kind of mm -hmm. grew him up a little bit i guess would be the best way to put it yeah for sure what about you pal what about you eric who's your uh who's your batman in comics oh for me it's i mean i don't think it's going to be any surprise to, to most people who know me uh, it's it's scott snyder and greg capullo's batman um that run for me was almost the equivalent of what Batman Begins was for me in film. It was my um, it was my jumping back on point for for reading Batman comics. Uh, I I knew that that there was a new number one coming, so I was like, hey, that's that's a good uh, spot to jump in. And <laughs> I never would have expected 
something like jumping back into Batman and having the Court of Owls be the first thing that 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 I walk into. And I was hooked from there, and I've been uh, I've been back into reading Batman comics ever since. So yeah, um, there's I have a really close connection with the Batman that was created by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And just looking at that run, man, I mean, how often do you have a run where you have just so many good stories like Court of Owls, Zero Gear, Endgame? I mean, there's a death in the family. There's a ton of great stories in of that the family. one arc. Yeah, Death of the Family, excuse me. Um, so yeah, there's just so many great stories in that one arc and it was, it was very impactful for me. And I, anytime I see that team is getting back together, most recently with uh, death metal, I, I'm along for the ride. You know, we bonded a lot over Scott Snyder's run of Batman. It's also where I kind of started collecting single issue books was around that time of when Scott Snyder and Capullo started doing their run of Batman, which is hard to believe it was 10 years ago. That's that's amazing. That's certainly mm-hmm. certainly something. Uh, because mine, my favorite run of Batman is a little bit before that. At least the writer who was on Batman is right before Scott Snyder, and that's Grant Morrison's. Uh, specifically for me, my favorite Batman from Grant Morrison is from JLA, but Grant Morrison's Batman has been just talked about over plenty of different podcasts, plenty of different people. Grant Morrison's take on Batman is very, very heavily discussed, and people like it, people do not like it. I, for one, uh, when he's when when Grant Morrison writes Batman in the Justice League, I think it's it's definitely a lot more suited and definitely more up his alley. I feel like when Grant Morrison does Batman on his own, it is very questionable, but for the most part, I do love what Morrison did with Batman, like, you know, um, Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, The Black Glove, Batman R.I.P., and even, like, his um, Dick Grayson, Batman, and, and Damian Wayne Robin, like, that Batman and Robin Reborn run is just so awesome, like, and then that led into the Scott Snyder stuff as well to, to some, like, lead into is in, you know, from one writer to the next, I should say, but really like that 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 era of batman comics is something i'll I'll really never forget and grant morrison i have a, I have a huge lot to thank for that but really like the that run the batman run the not batman but the jla run like grant morrison howard porter mark wade like that whole run is just so so just awesome it's rock of ages that's in i think volume two or three but it's also the run where prometheus shows up and like the there's just there's grant morrison being grant morrison with the justice league it is just so wildly awesome and that's what i love about it yeah i you know i have a uh you know i have very mixed feelings on grant morrison i do um, yeah. when grant morrison is on for, for with batman he's really on uh but for me when when it's <laughs> when it's when he goes into his most uh grant morrison it just doesn't it just doesn't hit the same way for me but i really respect that because i mean he's definitely made his mark on batman so yeah, that's that's a very valid uh, favorite pick, and I will say I think a lot of people feel the same way about Scott Snyder as oh, I yeah. feel about Grant Morrison. So, I would even say that that same kind of sentiment even gets echoed now with with Tynan and uh, King on their current stuff running Batman. Oh yeah, it's it, if you if you like the Tynan stuff, you probably didn't like the King stuff, and vice versa. Which is ironic because Eric and I we like Tynan's run a fair bit. I like Tom King's Batcat run 
but um, a couple of our friends like the Batman run by King. At least I know a couple I, who like who like the Batman run by King, one or two. I can't read King's Batman. <laughs> Big oomph. <laughs> Big yeah, oomph. I can't. I I did I did read it. I I read all of it, and I can't read it anymore. So far as like I can't I can't do Batman Catwoman, and I hate that I can't. But because I really love Tom King, I really really do. But I can't for with Batman. I can't do it. Batcat was a book that I picked up and I'm enjoying it because I like the way Clayman is telling the story, even if Tom Queen Tom King's dialogue is it's you know, it's solid, at least for me in my opinion, for the most part. But I remember going into that book because he was just hyping it up on the, you know, Batman and Catwoman, yeah, they, they have sex with this, and it's like, Okay, we know. But we got it, but I'll 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 check it out because Clayman's like really 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 good artist and i feel like he's doing some really really nice it's nice to see art like that because it it very reminds me of like jim lee early day jim lee and i like not i'm not saying clay man is mimicking that in any way but i just like it's i get that same kind of feeling from jim lee's early day art and clay man's art now on, on the on the character yeah for sure and that suit that that white black gray suit that they've concocted for batcat that's that's awesome yeah, I was that in issue. Was that in issue one? Because if it wasn't, I haven't seen it. It's in issue. It might be on the cover of issue one. I'd have to go back and look. It might be. What? I know it's definitely on the next couple covers. At least one of them for one of the following issues. Okay. All right, and I think that will lead us to our last category, and that is Batman in video game form. Um, Craig, since you are the resident video game fan probably more so than me why don't you kick us off with your uh batman and favorite batman and video game yeah mine would have to go with um uh, again kind of similar to like the animated series is conroy in the arkham games uh, particularly for me it would have to be arkham city uh the one the sequel to arkham asylum i know a lot of people like asylum over arkham city for me, I just enjoyed the plot of Arkham City a little bit more. I know it was a little more far-fetched, and I know the op- the open-world concept kind of derailed some people. You know, a lot of people liked that kind of claustrophobic feeling of Arkham Asylum. And, I mean, just the idea that Batman is stuck in Arkham Asylum with all of his villains is just something that is immediately going to be more appealing. But uh, for me, Arkham City and Conroy as Batman, just they did a spectacular job with it. I felt like the as far fetched as the plot was, it it ran really smoothly, and also it was kind of nice to see a different kind of take on some of the characters that we had grown up seeing. You know, to see the Joker suffering from the. Um, Oh, what was it? I think it was like the venom that he got exposed to in the first game. To see mm. Joker in kind of like a dying state and seeing him not able to be himself throughout most of the game. And then, um, you know, spoiler alert, the, the ending to me, I thought Rocksteady took a big chance with that by killing the Joker off at the end of the game. Um, something I just did not anticipate coming i didn't think anyone would be able ever 
truly kill off the Joker. And my thought was, well, if they do kill him off, it's going to be in the kind of, you know, how the Joker would occasionally die in the animated series. You know, he'd be in a, a building that blows up, but you never saw the body. And then, of course, you know, a few episodes later, he's back. So I always thought if they were to, quote unquote, kill the Joker in the video games, it would be something to that style. But to see him, you know, Batman's got the antidote in his hand and he's planning on giving it to the Joker and the Joker jumps on him and causes him to drop the antidote, falls on the ground. He's not able to take the antidote. And, you know, Batman looks at him and goes, I was going to save you. And Joker just says, well, that's pretty funny. And that's those are the last words he says. And then he dies. And uh, that scene with Batman walking out of the theater, and he's holding Joker's dead body. And I'm just sitting there the first time playing that game, and I went, damn, they actually killed the Joker. That was just something that I don't think I ever anticipated happening, uh, seeing happen. I don't think many people did. And I kind of wish in the third game that they had kind of, I mean, yes, he was still technically dead. But the way they kind of, of course, had to bring Mark Hamill back because so many people demand to hear Mark Hamill's voice as the Joker. I get why they did it the way they did that in the third game, but it was just so refreshing to see that in the second game, to have that kind of a chutzpah to, to do something like that. You know, it even drives it home more in Arkham Knight, in the very beginning of the game, when Jim Gordon burns the body of the Joker, so you see like all the physical yeah. remains of that character go. And when he comes back in like that that mental hallucinogenic form, it's even more like okay. But to your point, like you, you know, you can't bring you can't get rid of Mark Hamill as the Joker, right? No matter how hard you might try, because that yeah. role is just too awesome to not leave any stone left unturned. Um, Eric, how do you feel about uh, Batman in video game form? Do you have a favorite? I do, and uh, from the discussion you guys <laughs> were just having, it's. It's probably blasphemous, but um, I, I love the entire Arkham series. But my favorite is actually Arkham Origins. Um, I really love that game when it came out. I know it's not the most uh, the the most high, highly praised of the Arkham series, but I am a sucker for Batman at Christmas time and Batman in the Snow. And this game just had an appeal for me. I remember that the very first trailer looked freaking awesome um the 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 batman and deathstroke cinematic is still a, a piece of art and then just the 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 whole concept of the game um diving more into batman's detective skills i really enjoyed that aspect and you know even though it's not kevin conroy and mark hamill i think uh, roger craig smith and troy baker do a pretty admirable job in those roles as a batman and the joker in this game so yeah it was always one that really just stuck with me i again i love the entire series but something about this one is is special to me it is a very underrated title i, th um, I think so too yeah i still and being someone for those who don't know me i i worked in management uh, for gamestop for 10 years and I worked at stores at the time that that game came out. I am still of the firm belief that the only reason why people don't give that game as much praise as the other three 
is the fact that Rocksteady didn't develop it. Yep. I think they had just said, hey, this is the new Batman Arkham game, and nobody had ever thought of thinking of Rocksteady. Nobody would have paid attention. The game is just as good quality-wise. Yeah, there are a few little bugs here and there and glitches. Nothing that is game-breaking. The plot is fine. Voice acting is great. To your point where you said... Troy Baker as the Joker, I remember seeing some reviews when that game was coming out, and the reviews were like, well, Troy Baker did a really good job, but he sounds basically like Mark Hamill. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, he's supposed to be a young Joker, so I think that's actually a compliment if he sounds like a younger Mark Hamill. It was just, there was so much stacked against that game, simply because it was not a quote-unquote official sequel developed by rocksteady right and i think it's i think it's now the cult pick out of this oh absolutely Um, yeah it's it's got a lot better following now i think than it did when the game came out absolutely yeah i don't i don't disagree with any of that i mean it's not my favorite i get why some people do enjoy it but personally for me it's just uh not so much um for me, you know, I'm probably going to echo everything my two jumps you just said, but it's going to be Arkham City for me. I almost went with Telltale Batman because that that's a very choose-your-own-story and very build-your-own-Batman in, in specific kind of ways, and I do like the way that you can kind of play with it in your own way in that, in that regard. But I feel like Arkham City really captures that feel of Batman and Gotham and taking out his full-fledged rogues gallery for the most part, and you just get a whole wide variety of what Batman can and cannot do, like every mission and is very hard picked and like all the riddle traps are very intricate and you know all the even the villains that are present i just have really big roles to play like it's it's just a really great video game it's got a really great cast it's just you know i what uh, what i'm saying has probably been echoed 10 ways to sunday on many other different outlets i'm sure but for me it's probably arkham city yeah i think um you can't go wrong with uh, even if someone said Arkham Knight. You know what? I, I wouldn't argue with them. That no, entire no. series is it's it's fantastic um, video game world. Uh, you, you can't get much better than than that series. As a, even outside of being just Batman fans, I mean, just as video games, those are those are fantastic games. Yep. All right. Well, you know, I think that's gonna wrap us up for the first episode of the eternal night and i would just like to thank both my guests for joining me here today craig eric thank you guys so much uh for joining me on this very first episode of the eternal night um any closing thoughts any uh final thoughts any you know open wishes any episode recommendations any wish anything anything at all well i'd just like to thank you for bringing me on for the first episode that's a that's a that's a privilege and I appreciate you thinking of me. Um, yeah. Anytime I can come and talk about Batman, you know, like you said earlier, you don't have to, you don't have to twist my arm. I'm, I'm welcome to talk about Batman anytime. So yeah. Uh, congratulations on your first episode, Phil. I, I wish you nothing but the best with this show. I, ha- I hope you have a lot of success with it. And um, I just, uh, overall, I just hope you have a lot of fun with it. Cause that's the point of all this. So yeah, thank you again for for bringing me on for this episode. Thank you, man. It's always a blast chatting with you about cape shit, Batman, you name it, even muscle cars, even though we don't really talk about cars that much, but you know, you get the idea. (laughs)
Yeah, likewise, man. And Craig, for your first episode, man, how do you feel? Feeling all right? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, this was really great. Uh, I very much appreciate you thinking of me. I know that I've been trying for a while to get something like this off the ground, and I've had my fair share of things that have gone on over the last two years, and I'm just glad that I'm kind of in a more steady environment that I can actually start devoting myself to these kind of ideas. So I'm very excited to see what the future holds. And uh, yeah, any chance I can get to talk about Batman, DC, comics in general, anything superhero related, I mean, I'm always in for it. Well, it was much appreciated having you both here. Uh, Craig, where can people find you on social media if you want them to follow you? I know you've got, a, I believe, Instagram, right? I do have an Instagram. It's uh, it's at Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A. Um, I did get into Twitter for a little bit, got out of it. But, you know, if this starts to, you know, pick up, if I start finding myself in more of a podcast world, might uh, might activate a Twitter account again. You never know. Okay. There we have that. And Eric, I know you've got plenty of social plugs. Why don't you go ahead and drop the links? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um. Well, my show is The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, and you can find it pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, but you can find it on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at TFR Batpod. And if you'd like to follow me personally, my personal social media accounts are Instagram, Twitter, and Vero, at MeCarter89, that's M-E-Carter89. Thank you so much, Eric. It's always a blast chatting it up with another awesome podcaster like yourself. And, Eric, and Craig, I do hope this does become a more consistent thing for you. And I do hope when you get your microphone, we get to do this more often because it's going to be a lot of fun bringing this podcast to life. And, um, you know, if anyone wants to follow me, I'm sure you all know about Superhero Stress. You can find that on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Superhero Stress. You can also listen to the Magic of Movies pod. You can follow them on just at Magic Movie Pod. And as well as this show, you can follow us, follow along on Twitter, just at, at T-E-K underscore podcast. As well as you can also interact with us by leaving us an email. If you have a show suggestion or an episode suggestion or just a comment or anything like that first episode, tell us how we know. Let us know how we did. Let us know how we did. Words are hard. I uh, can just, again... Email us at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. If y'all want to follow me personally on Twitter, Vero, or Instagram, it's just at unfiltered. And thank you again for joining us on this very dark detective-based Batman episode. We will be back next time with a commentary for Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And as always, stay safe. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. 
Thank you.